On today's episode, I continue my conversation with Jess, where we talk about purity culture and body shame, experiencing God through the compassion of others, struggling to understand sin, confession, and repentance in a healthy way, and how the church can love well those living with a mental illness. This is Through a Glass Darkly, the podcast about following Jesus while living with a mental illness. Just a couple things before we start. While you don't need to have listened to the first part of my conversation with Jess to understand this one, I'd encourage you to give it a listen. It will provide more context for what we talk about, and she just shares some really great wisdom in that first part. Second, I apologize for the quality of my audio in this recording. There will be times where there is some interference with my voice, and although you will be able to hear everything I say, it is distracting. Thankfully, Jess's audio was fine, which is the important thing. And lastly, a trigger warning. Our conversation today includes some detailed discussion about bulimia. So God, God was just this person that you were always disappointing. Like, did your eating disorder mm-hmm. completely define your relationship with God? Where it was, if you're doing okay with that, then you were okay. Oh. Or were there other things in it as well? Where, yeah. you know, okay, so I'm doing this and I feel ashamed about that as well. Or I'm doing that and I feel really good. So I'm okay with God. Yeah, like I really equated, so <laughs> not just my body with the eating disorder, but also like purity, like sexual purity. That was a huge, huge thing in my family and in the culture at the time, right? Like all the I kiss dating goodbye, like things like that. I feel like I had such a deep knowing of like God, either like what we do with our bodies is so important to God. (laughs) Like, so talk about like killing someone with shame when you're talking about sexual purity and how God, how much God cares about your body and how, you know what I mean? It's either clean or it's dirty or it's pure, unpure. And then I'm like the kid in youth group. That's like, yeah, I'm throwing up all my food and like trying to, you know what I mean? Like, so it, it really like whether it was meant to sound like that or not it was so clear this message of like even what I'm doing with my body is is impure or not impure just like it's wrong what I'm doing with my body and God hates that like God is so upset with what I'm doing with my body so much so that like I tried to compensate because of my eating disorder I was like I will I I have like and this is so like almost embarrassing but I have so many like dear future husband letters that I wrote at like 12 years old being like, I promise I'll never kiss anybody, but you, I promise I will never, I will be so clean and pure because God wants me to be right. Like, like almost like, Oh, uh, obsessive compulsive. Like I will, if you know what I mean? Like, so it was almost like I found something like, okay, I can't, like, I can't please God with like, I can't stop this eating disorder. I can't stop this pattern that I'm in, but like, I can make sure that I never touch a boy. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? And so I think that got, I got a purity ring from my parents. I like got the whole nine yards of just, you know, of like coming across outwardly, like, yep, this is just a really like wholesome Christian girl. Who's just really smart about, you know, dating and all that. And just really following a pure path. But it was like, an intense fear of like, no one, like, 
I, I better not defile myself ever because I've already really wrecked it with God in this area. So like, I don't want to wreck it with God in that area. So like right. talk about messing, like, and also then having this young, me being this young person who also just like deeply wanted to be loved by a boy. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, I think growing up also just being like a normal, but also becoming obsessive about that of being like, well, I can't, I'm not good enough yet. I have to make sure that I'm like all of these things and I have to, so it really became, God got really intertwined in all of that of like, if I keep my, like, if I try to be good enough, if I try to be clean enough and perfect enough, like, you know, and, and really I, I had a deep belief that like, until I'm healed from this eating disorder, no one's going to love me. <laughs> right. So. Which yeah. would make complete sense, right? Like, it sounds like you were yeah. like completely unable to love yourself. So mm -hmm. it would make sense. Like, of course, nobody else is going to love me. Mm -hmm. Can you remember any moments of grace for lack of a better word where like something broke through and it was kind of like oh maybe god doesn't hate me or maybe yeah. god isn't as disgusted with me as i think he is even if it didn't last for very long yeah like i remember i was it was when i was 16 and i was at that boarding school and um we had gone to a youth retreat and my my sister brie and her my brother-in-law darby were like the speaker, or he was the speaker. And then she was there um, doing something with the girls that weekend. And he like had a, like, but again, like this was a moment of grace that I felt, but also I'm like, it's a complicated night to remember too, but there was a cross and there were rocks. We were all given a rock and we were, um, if you wanted to put your burden at the foot of the cross, right? Like basically, which is a really, it was a really great message that my brother-in-law spoke of just basically saying like, you do not have to carry this. Um, and you can bring this to God, but also it was also around confession of like, if there's things you need to confess and you need to like bring to the light, like, you know, this stuff thrives in darkness. And so that was like a moment for me where I was like in tears, no one in my family knew, no one of my, I don't think any of my friends knew. And then I went to my sister and I had my rock and I said, I couldn't go up, but I wanted to tell her. And I like, bawled my eyes out and I'm 16 and I didn't even know it was called an eating disorder I didn't know it was called bulimia right like mm -hmm. I was like I do this thing and I'm like I do this thing where I like I eat a lot and then I and then I throw up my food and I like I do this all the time right and and that for me was like she didn't change the way she looked at me and she didn't you know um and she just hugged me and loved me and cried and said, I'm so glad you told me and this doesn't change anything. And I'm just so sad that you're suffering. Right. And so I have, I have key moments like that with people. Um, that's like one of the main ones, but like I have key moments like that where the people that got close to me in community, you know, basically like told me how they saw me even knowing all of that stuff. Right. And then, um, and then somehow they're like, their belief in God, right? Like their, not their belief in God, but like their confidence in God was able to somehow like get on me, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like, okay, I don't have to be like, I can, I can fall apart in this moment because somehow your faith is enough and you're seeing me is enough and I can rest in this for a little bit. So like, I have those kind of experiences where kind of you go to bed and just fall asleep right away. Cause you're completely exhausted. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. so Right. And so those kind of like tapping out moments where it's like, I can't, I, I can't do it anymore. And then kind of, you know, those moments of grace where I feel like 
God put those people there. Yeah. So one thing that strikes me, and I don't know if you've thought about it or talked about it even in therapy, and how did nobody know? Yeah, I don't know how people didn't. It, it was very, like, um, thinness in my home was very, very much um, expected. Like, it was, you know, my, um, it was very much communicated to us as we were kind of hitting puberty, like, okay, this is, this is the time where your body can gain weight. And so, you know, here's some running shoes, make sure that you're, make sure that you take up a sport, make sure that you do something, make sure that you eat less, all of that. So like, it was praised, like, if it was very much praised, so there wouldn't have been that kind of, I, I, yeah, like there would, uh, on, a, on a physical appearance, there wouldn't have been, it would have just been praised, right? Like, and it was, right? It was, oh, you're looking so good. Um, and then if you, if your weight fluctuate, if any of, you know, my family members' weights fluctuated or, you know, gained weight or anything like that, it was like, we're not going to talk about it. Like, so you knew if you didn't get a compliment, it was like, oh, you've gained weight. So it was very fixated. Um, yeah, people, it was very, very much like this is, this is, this is the picture of health. So, okay. and not to disclose, but like there was also other things going on in my family at that time with, with other people. And so also that there was the beauty of that, of just, okay, mom and dad are focusing on that sister right now. And that's a more extreme problem right now. And so nobody's really noticing that I'm doing this thing or the hard part of, I will say like the shame of bulimia is that like, if someone does catch you, it's like, they're catching you eating a lot of food. So that happened, right. Where my parents would be like, why is this whole cereal box gone? Or like, why is, you know, um, or my, you know, my parent would pull me aside at like a, a function or something and say like, that's your third plate of this. What are you doing? You know, not knowing that like, yeah, you better believe it's my third plate because after four, I'm going to throw up. Like, right. so I need to make sure there's enough certain foods to make that easy. Right. <laughs> so like, so I, that sounds, that's, it's really sad, but like, that's the, the hard part is there is like a, not a stigma or something, but like you, if you see a kid eating a lot of food, you're going to more likely scold them than be concerned. You're going right. to more likely be like, oh, you're, you know, and especially if there's already a weight thing in your family, then it's just going to be shamed of like, what's wrong with you? Why are you eating? You know, you should be right. full by now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So you have all this going on and you have such a clear understanding of other people's pain and how that doesn't disqualify them from God's love. And so mm -hmm. you go into ministry. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's such a huge question, but basically yeah. how how did ministry shape like your faith and your eating disorder and how did your eating disorder shape your ministry mm -hmm. well I will say that what it did was create no judgment ever mm -hmm. um, for people so um, I was always a very safe person for people to um, confide in and I would ask the right things that gave people the space to confide if they wanted to. So like, you know, I'd ask questions that I wish that I had been asked. Right. Or, um, so that I could have opportunities to actually show that person. I love them and I saw them and I didn't change how I was seeing them. You know what I mean? So I, I think the eating disorder like framed, like kept me really humble. 
because I never, ever walked into any space and was like, oh yeah, like I'm healthy and I've arrived. And this is what being a Christian is. It's about winning, right? Like, or it's, a, you know, about somehow like, here's your success story. I never went into any spaces like that. And so, so I think those are the positives that, um, that, and I was quick to share it with people, honestly, like I, you know, people, if they, you know, if we talked long enough, I would say like, this has been a part of my life for a long time. And I know what it's like to, to compulsively do something you don't want to do and to have, and to have to keep living in your body when you're like at war with it. (laughs) And yeah. So I think those were the things that, um, kind of made me really like soft and compassionate with people. Um, yeah, the ways that, what was the second part? Like the ways that it made it difficult or. Yeah, sure. Yeah. How did, obviously that was a huge strength and I, I am very mm -hmm. sensitive to call it that because it was obviously a huge pain of suffering for you, but obviously had one important thing come out of it in terms of your ability to really relate to people mm-hmm. but yeah perhaps on the other side the the more negative aspects of it yeah it's it's a it feels like I think you even know this from working with me at that time but like um the amount of times that I would binge on my way home from outreach right um and I would plan it I would know like okay I'm in the thick of all of this pain right now and Um, my, I know exactly where the subway is going to go. Like I'm going to hop on the subway after and I, I can plan a binge on the way home and I can manage this. Right. And figure this out. Um, and so I think it made it difficult because, yeah, because it definitely, not that anyone made me feel less than, but I definitely was just like, is anyone else doing this? Like, you know what I mean? Like, is anyone else doing something they don't want to be doing after serving like Mm -hmm. is anyone else having a repeated addiction or a repeated um, ritual they do that is just not good for their bodies and not good for their minds like is anyone else so I think that's what I mean I think I said earlier about just feeling like you don't fit and feeling like following God doesn't necessarily mean that you get better (laughs) or like get well in different ways like um And so I think it did impact me being in a ministry and being like being um, supported while also being like, would they still, you know, would people still support me if they knew that like, this was how I was surviving. Right. So. Do you think the the pain of the stories of the people that you were interacting with was that something that was feeding it like you just didn't know how to deal with it or was it more that Mm -hmm. sense of not fitting in I think it was feeling so consistently not safe with God but like also feeling like I really needed to talk this talk um so feeling like um I don't know if that makes sense consistently safe but like feeling like this is not stable because I'm not stable. (laughs) So like Mm. I'm, I'm here right now leading this devotional for this outreach, supporting people and their crises while in the back of my mind, knowing exactly what I'm going to do as soon as everyone's away. Like, so I think it just really felt like this isn't like, yeah. Like what does this say about me? 
that I'm not turning to the God that I'm like preaching about as soon as everyone's gone. Right. And so like, that doesn't feel very secure or safe because it's like, if God was so safe and secure, then I would be like hugged after outreach by a God, a loving God, but I am hopping on a subway or driving through a drive-through and like very much like I am checking out. I am not like going near this God right now, or I don't, and I don't feel this God right now. So I think, yeah, like, I think, I don't know if it was a sense of shame, but just a sense of like, I'm not practicing this. I'm not practicing what I'm preaching after this. If you know what I mean? Like if, mm-hmm. if I'm not, if I'm like hugging something or if I'm, I'm like giving someone a hug and praying for them with their addiction and their crisis, I just keep using that as an example. Cause that's an easy example. But like, if I keep, if I'm, if I'm doing this for them and then as soon as I'm alone, I'm like, how do I get the heck out of here? internal like how do I get this pain like what I'm not turning to God right and so it just made me feel really broken right like really really broken I messed up like this is sick what are you doing <laughs> like you know and why aren't your relationships enough for you why is your ministry not enough for you why is this community not enough for you to keep you well why do you keep doing this and why do you keep trying to control everything <laughs> like right. manage all of this? So, yeah, I think all like the root of it would probably be like, what's wrong with you? And you're not, if God was, if God was so loving and great, you turn to God right after this, but you're not. So did the, did the binging and purging in, in those specific instances, was it just a way for you to shut off? Like you had all these feelings inside and you had no idea what to do with them. And so that's what this did. It just, kind of shut it down mm-hmm. and a sense of like it was that it can be many things like it can be it can start with comfort but then almost like a self-harm of like I am going to eat past the point of it tasting good mm-hmm. and to the point of like where you feel so sick that you have to do something about it and then the worst was times that I wasn't able to throw up so then I'd have to sit with that and be like oh my gosh I can't get this out of me and like I think just like the controlling your body part too, like that, that also is like, I can, can like, this is so cliche for eating disorders, but like, I can control this. Like mm-hmm. I can't control how all of these different things with faith are impacting me, how all these different things with people's pain are impacting me, but like, I can control my size. I can control my weight or I can control, you know, like, so even just the physical part of that, of just knowing like that relief of, okay, I can do this thing that hurts me, but then also maintain like control over what my body is looking mm-hmm. like. Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned about how it almost, you know, it starts with comfort, but then it also moves into almost like a self-harm uh, yeah. oh. place. Um, yeah. Cause I was, I was doing some reading and he, he was, the author was talking about how you know, oftentimes the, the model of addiction that is often talked about, and I think has probably been the most popular one for a long time has been, you know, it's, it's like an emotional response. You're just trying to, it's medicating. You're just trying to take care of pain. But his thought yes. was that it's actually the addiction and the, and the acting out of the addiction or the compulsion is a way of reshaming yourself. Like you feel so oh, yeah. bad about yourself. And so it's yes. not that you're actually trying to numb pain. You're, you're actually 
you're validating mm-hmm. what you feel about yourself all the time. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. you're just finding like, okay, I'm just going to give into it then. Like I already feel this way. I might mm-hmm. as well do this thing that is fulfilling the way that I feel about myself already. So um, yeah. 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 Not. Oh, that's 100% true. <laughs> like, I don't think I've ever like in all the times that I would throw up, like I always had mascara on. Right. So you could tell like also just the act of throwing up, it makes you, it usually makes your eyes cry, but like, yeah, I would always look at myself after and be like, what are you doing to yourself? Like, right. So even just that mirror, like, of like looking and being like, it's such a visceral, like you've got two like black marks down your face. Like, what are you doing? So even just feeling so like, oh, I hate you, (laughs) right? Like, I hate what you're doing to yourself, but not even seeing it as a self of just being like, I hate you, (laughs) like, you know? And so I I think I've never had a time where I wasn't like, oh, don't you just hate yourself? It's not like you finish and you're like, okay, great. Like, you're like, and that's the lie probably too, is that that's why it's so hard to have been kind of viewed it as a sin because it's like, well, (laughs) That's why I have such a hard time when people are judgmental about anybody with any repetitive behavior that they feel is beyond their control. It's mm-hmm. it's like, do you think that person is just like, oh, I'm getting off scot-free here? It's like, no, anyone that's doing something that they don't want to do, but is somehow helping them in their life survive or meeting a role that like they don't know how to not do that thing, like they're suffering. So I think that again to go back to the light patrol question, that's what kept me really soft to people was like, you are suffering. I will never like judge you for what you can't seem to control right now. Maybe someday you'll be able to, but like right now you're not right. So eventually your time with light patrol came to an end um, Mm -hmm. and you got married. Mm -hmm. Was there a shift at all in terms of how like your eating disorder, but also your faith Um, how you understood yourself as you were moving out of this like really intense ministry. And then you were moving into a relationship with somebody who was knowing you at a level that you've probably never been known before. Yeah. So I would say that like, so the symptoms for the the eating disorder um, did not happen as much. Like I did not um, like throw up very much when we first got, like I, you know, we've been married for three three years and um thanks to a lot of therapy too like um I had been you know working a lot on that stuff of like really not I really didn't want to like I want to be able to to eat and and not be terrified right like I want you know so Mm -hmm. there was very clear things that I was working on before getting married but it was very a huge thing with getting married was um now this person always sees me and so like that was the most intimate and also just the most, um, I guess, like accountability ever. Um, and so I just felt like this has to, this has to change now, like with this big life change, like this just has to change because the best way that eating disorder with me like operated was in secrecy and like not being like known about. Right. And so yeah. So I think in some ways, like it's been, I said to Cody the other day, my husband that I was like, I think you've been a huge part of my like healing 
the healing of the symptoms of this, right? Like, um, because it still would happen sometimes where I would, you know, text him and say, you know, I binged, but I didn't throw up. And so that would be really hard because then even just like, like having to see that my body would change, like your body changes if you're not throwing up or if you're not restricting food or whatever. And so, yeah, like I would say that since being married that like, I've noticed that the anxiety has not gone anywhere. Just the symptoms have changed. If right. that makes sense. So like, yeah, there's many, many things that are so healing about being married, but like the reality of, oh, this, uh, this healing that I've been chasing, <laughs> um, even with the symptoms not being there, any, like, you know, I haven't thrown up in a really long time. And like, that has not changed the fact that like, there's still this companion of anxiety with me every day. Right. Mm-hmm. So in your own self-understanding, mm-hmm. do you believe that you have a mental illness? Do you believe that it's bulimia? Is it anxiety? Mm-hmm. Is it some sort of mix? Like, how do you actually understand what you experience um, yeah. in those areas? Yeah. So like people, well, my understanding of it being a struggle, like, no, a struggle is something like, uh, I don't know, like, I don't want to say what because someone else might struggle like compulsively do that thing so like um, I would just say that it's not a struggle because a struggle you could actually I think choose yes or no to um, but I can't choose no to this companion of anxiety right Right. or like this I'm just calling it companion because that makes the most sense to me Um, but I yeah, like I can make choices out of how, how I respond to that, which is what I learned through therapy and stuff. And with the eating disorder, like I eventually did get to a point of like eating and having it stay in my body and, you know, um, eating two cookies and not being like, that's a binge, let's eat 20. Like eventually. So those are like, that's amazing. Those are amazing victories. Um, but I think, I would, I would define it as mental illness because like, this is, um, something that I can't change. Like it's a part of my life and it's never not been a part of my life. And all that, all that, all that changes is how is the choices that I learned to make around it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a choice for me to say to Cody, like, okay, we're going to this family function where there's a ton of food, like, my anxiety is going to be through the roof. And like, if you, you know, see that I am struggling, like maybe make eye contact with me or give my hand a squeeze or something like, you know, and just, Mm -hmm. so it's more like, I'm just a lot more honest about it when I, you know, when I notice it, I'm like, yep, this is what this is. This is, this isn't going anywhere, (laughs) but like, I can choose, I can choose ways to manage it. But I will say that like my faith has like dramatically changed because I think for many years, my like understanding of like um, growing in your faith was like Christian self-help. Like was I like devoured Christian self-help, like everything, every new Christian book I was buying, every everything, if it had 10 steps to something, I was like, yep. <laughs> 
let's do it 10 steps to healing let's do the devotionals of like this is how you live in your freedom like right like I was doing all of those things and with the motivation that like I can I can somehow learn these things and God can transform my life into somehow being free and somehow like somehow God helping self-helping like right? right I'm like there's the that's what I'm working towards and so I think since being married and being married to an incredibly um gracious person like um, who's just really solid, I guess, in like, not, he's not like that at all and hasn't struggled with any of that. And so is a really good kind of like, you know, this, this doesn't necessarily, like, this is not following God does not necessarily mean these are byproducts of following God, right. Or with your mental illness, like this doesn't necessarily mean if you read if you read a hundred days to freedom, like whatever, like I'm making that title up, but like something Mm -hmm. like a devotional that says this, like that doesn't necessarily mean that like, that you're going to feel this huge sense of freedom. It might mean that you can do a grocery shop that day and not, you know, and, and actually just complete it with anxiety the entire time. Right. Right. Like, I don't know. So I think my, like, my faith looks completely different now and has like, and I still don't know what it's, what it is right now. Like how, how do I even explain it right now? Because I'm like, this is the first time in my life that I haven't um, had like a, something I'm working towards with my faith. Like I'm not working towards a certain healing. I'm not like, which for most of my life and with this eating disorder and everything and mental health stuff, like I've always been working towards something really closely attached to my following god and Mm -hmm. and now i've kind of been like this isn't changing (laughs) like so maybe i need a different way of of why i follow god or how i follow god and what i expect out of that right yeah (laughs) i i remember a few years ago i went on a retreat with my church and we had time where we were just like walking around in the woods and doing whatever spiritual thing we should be doing um, and I remember I was like praying for, for forgiveness. I, I don't remember. Like, I always have a list of stuff that I feel terrible yeah. about. And I remember the thought just struck me of like, this will just never be enough. Like I can never, mm-hmm. I can't ever repent enough. Like I can't ever work. This will never end. I will never stop working towards something. And if, mm-hmm. if that is what Christianity is about, like trying to work towards some level of like spiritual accomplishments so I can feel okay. Like, yeah, I'm not yeah. interested. I don't want it. I don't, no. I'm just too tired. I don't care anymore. But to let go of that is completely terrifying. Like you just mm-hmm. have no, mm-hmm. it's like you have this structure and grammar that makes sense of your whole life when mm-hmm. you understand faith as I just have to be better. Like, this is what God wants. God wants me to be better. So this is, this is my responsibility as a good Christian. And then when you Mm -hmm. let go of that, it's just like, Mm -hmm. I don't even, what is left? Like, what does it even mean to be a Christian if I'm not doing that? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Like if that's your motivator for doing devotions, for praying for, right. Like, Mm -hmm. 
it yeah and then and then it changes like that all in one day where you realize wait a second this can't be it and i yeah. need a new motivation otherwise yeah but then it's terrifying because because then you're kind of like will i have that <laughs> like will i actually have that other motivation yeah. and if not then what like what does that mean about my life and like moving mm -hmm. forward and yeah it's it's a very bizarre yeah. place it sounds like you're just in a place of like a lot of not knowing of of knowing that what you were and the way that you lived before mm -hmm. is unsustainable so you're not doing that but really mm -hmm. having no idea what life on the other side looks like yeah i don't know yet like and it challenges me every day having this this little foster daughter who's just yeah which probably any parent is like when they become a parent right where you just all of a sudden are like wow i need to teach you things and i what messages were harmful to me that i do not want you knowing or not like i don't want that informing the way you think about god or yourself and so like yeah so i find myself daily being like oh my goodness that's not it that's not it like kind of like more more things than things i'm sure of more things i'm like more yeah <laughs> more things that i'm sure that i don't want communicated to her or i mm -hmm. don't want her learning than what i'm sure of her learning right now like um so there's very key like also it's helpful that she's a toddler <laughs> so like it's it's helpful that like there's also you know things things are very simple right now right and so i'm actually like very okay with that because i'm like yep these are simple things that like i'm sure of that i i'm sure that i can say to you and like tell you about god right but in terms of like sin and that whole dynamic of of going to god with your sin and i think something hard for me is that like I've done lots of lots of studying around child trauma and just trauma in general and how it affects people's brains and bodies and the choices that people make out of that and what dysregulated bodies do and you know all these things like I, I feel like I did a lot of that to prepare for being a foster parent but then I still do like you know when she's doing something I'm, I'm often reading a trauma parenting book or different things and and more often than not, I'm like, I, I just, I really struggle with teaching her to like, to ask God for forgiveness for different things um, that like, there's clear things like, oh, if you, you know, if you hit me, that is wrong. And you say sorry to me, but I don't know if you say sorry to God for that. Right. Right. Like just yeah. clear things like that, where like, I was a kid that very much of like, if I lied to my dad, I was also like going to my room and writing a huge apology to my, to God. Right. And so just things like that, where I've, I really seem to struggle with that piece and haven't made. So like, it's very, I'm, I'm good with the comforting things of like, God, God loves you. And um, God is, you know, is here with you and you're never alone and all those kind of things. And those are things that I know in my head and whatever, but I feel like it's the, the pieces of like the big gospel pieces of like, Jesus died for your sin. And, you know, like those, those big things that I'm glad that she's not older, that I don't have to start explaining those things because I'm like, what I, I don't, I didn't know that in a healthy way growing up and I'm just learning how to be healthy about those things. And so it feels like, 
you know, more often than not out of her specific trauma and the choices that she makes more often than not, I'm just like, God, you better have a heart for this person. I don't think she needs to apologize for that. She couldn't control that. Or like, that wasn't her choice or, you know, like it just, I feel like things are so much more complex with people. So even the big, the big sins in church, even right. That people talk about, uh, about repenting from sins. I'm also like a little bit of a devil's advocate now, like feeling not devil. Oh my gosh. That's an intense. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but like, I feel a little bit like, okay, but like before we, you know, before we lead someone to confess and repent and all of that, like it matters, it ma- all these things matters as to how they got to that choice that they made and how, you know, and so, yeah, like, I, I think it's just not so it feels very great to me, like confession and sin and what, what, like what those things are, and how you define them and how you're, you know, yeah, like, I'll be honest, like, it's been a long time since I confessed something to God, because I'm like, if I get mad at my husband, I'm going to go to my husband and say, sorry. And then I'm going to go to God later and maybe say like, help me be a better, a more gentle and kind wife. Right. But I'm less likely to go and say like, I'm so sorry, God, that I like did that because I just feel like I've been beating myself up my whole life about like things that I'm like, I'm not so clear on what I need to confess to you. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, that's a tangent, but that's that's a big one for me that like, I don't, Uh, that's a big message for me since like parenting of how do I want guilt and shame and confess, like, how do I, how do, you know, how do I want to talk about those things? Right. Mm -hmm. And not wanting to teach something that, that really actually was very heartbreaking to me. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. or that I've seen be heartbreaking to other people um, that doesn't really feel like good news. Yeah, it's it's so funny you talk about, you know, repentance and shame and guilt. When you're talking, I was just thinking, I remember reading something a little while ago, and I don't remember the exact words that the person used. But the basic idea was that like repentance is actually supposed to be healing, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's like a restoration of relationship and not even necessarily that like God needs it, but that that mm-hmm. like we need it right but i feel like the type of thing that you're talking about and that i'm pretty sure i grew up with like repentance was never a healing thing like it was no. it was this horrendous thing that you had to do to appease god and show right. that you were really sorry for whatever it was you were really sorry about like there was nothing good about it other than that it was supposed to be this thing that reestablished your relationship with god right so Yes, I am. (laughs) I am not surprised that one Mm -hmm. that you wouldn't be interested in that and two that you would be very cautious about how to introduce that to somebody who has seen a lot of stuff, you know, already in their young life. So uh, yeah. What kind of things now are are healing for you? Like faith, not faith? Just what in your life is is healing you? Like, yeah, I, I love this. I love our little foster daughter. I think she's the best. Um, and it's very healing to me, just like how simple things are sometimes. Sometimes it's not at all. Um, but like we went on a hike for two hours this afternoon and puddle jumped and that was it. And something that like I find really 
healing kind of is just, just doing like, just doing things and not expecting more than what it is. Um, and not trying to find spiritual moments and everything, <laughs> like just being like, we, we went to the swimming pool and we went to the swimming pool and it was so fun. That's it. We went puddle jumping and that was so fun. That's it. Um, and kind of taking the pressure off of things and just, just letting it be what it is, because I think that is like my biggest learning ever. And Cody is regularly saying to me, just like, let this be what it is. Like we're relaxing at home, just relax at home. Like, just let it be like, you don't need to try to make something happen right now. You don't need to, you know? Um, yeah. And, and I haven't found, I haven't found that way with faith yet. Like, and so those feel like a little respite from faith moments, actually, instead of like finding God in them, it's more like I'm having a little break from thinking about this to just like enjoy this moment for what this moment is. <laughs> and um, that's been really healing. I think just like tangible things, like we just moved and we have a bathtub and I love baths and that's been really healing. <laughs> um, just like doing things that I'm like, this is just nice. Like these are just nice things. And yeah, I can't seem to do anything right now that is heady at all. Like beyond, like I'll read my trauma books, <laughs> but like I, which, but that feels very like applicable where I'm like, I'm reading this because we're dealing with this specific, specific behavior or whatever. So that feels actually healing to me because I'm like, this is either reinforcing a specific thing we're doing every day or it's like, oh, yep, that's a really good, a really different way that we'd like to handle that thing. So that feels healing. But yeah, like anything where I have to think too hard right now, I'm like, not that's not healing. So anything that will kind of get me out of my head right now feels healing. What do you want to say to Christians and the church about loving people who are living with a mental illness? Okay, well, for starters, <laughs> not for starters, like, I don't have this huge list, but just, I would say the first thing that came to my mind was, it would be so lovely if people stopped trying to wrap up, to wrap up their story, or um, to wrap up, <laughs> I don't know if wrap up's the right word, um, of like sharing vulnerably, <laughs> and sharing like, this is a really applicable struggle, or this is a really like, a really relevant thing and then like moving it moving it on to like wrapping it up and saying and this is the way that like you know this is the way that God engages with that and this is what God can do in that and this is the fruit of that and this is like kind of moving it along of like um this is where this goes this is right. always where this goes real just a simple example like if you're um if you're struggling with resentment or bitterness towards your neighbor you know, this is, this is what God can do in your life. And then this is what it can produce in your life. And then the end thing is like, then you are in right relationship with your neighbor or like, right. Just to kind of, Oh, it's all been wrapped up for me. Thank you. Like, it's right. Hey, I see very clearly that the Holy spirit moving always moves this way. And then it always looks this way. And I think whenever that happens, like I just seem to like, I just kind of recoil like, in, like I, I used to not, I used to just, it would spiral me and I'd be like, okay, yep. I've got my notebook and my pen and I'm going to take such detailed notes about how it was that change happened in that person's life or how that, 
you know, how God can work in that specific way. And I don't do that at all anymore. And I'm actually just so skeptical of writing anything down about any of this, because I just feel like I spent so much time obsessing about, you know, how to make myself better and how to change and how this was going to be the time because I prayed this certain prayer or I did this certain thing or read my Bible for an hour or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I would say like, it'd be wonderful if people stopped feeling the need to do that, like, and just, I don't know what that could look like. Um, I know that I try really hard not to wrap things up for people. If I'm sharing anything or if I'm, if someone's asking me a question or getting some advice or anything, I try really hard to be like, this is, you're a different person and this is your specific, you know, I'd like to think that God um, is with each of us in our specific lives and it doesn't always get to turn out well for everybody. Like in that, like not everyone gets to have a success story like that or whatever. I think what I'm getting at is like what spiritual growth is supposed to look like. That's what it, like, cause as far as maybe how people would have used to seeing my, like how they maybe perceived my spiritual growth when I was in missions and ministry was like, she's very spiritually mature, very spiritually growing or whatever. Um, and maybe now how it'd be viewed is like, Oh, definitely, definitely not as spiritually growing or whatever, but those are based off of like, this is how it, it looks like for me, I feel like, oh, I must look like I've gone backwards, not forwards. And so, it, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to explain that. Like, this is the way, like when it's, this is the spiritual elites, this is how they spiritually, this is, if you're on the right path, this is how you're supposed to grow. Right. It's very right. discouraging for people that find themselves like, well, I'm not like that. And I don't experience things like that. And this specific thing is very crippling to me and you know yeah i do i think what you're you're talking about is yeah this idea of having a very narrow template of what spiritual development and maturity looks like and how that template always includes resolution right like yeah. it's yes. always like god is not moving in a person's life until they've arrived and that's they're no longer sinning in the way mm -hmm. that their story you know that, that they're talking about in their story mm -hmm. so it's like there's no space for for stories that either don't fit into that template and so the spiritual growth looks different or yeah there's mm -hmm. no resolution right which yeah. is often going to be the case with mental health and i mean that's not even mm -hmm. we've talked about how mental health is not even like a moral thing it's you know, yeah. It's not a, it's not a simple struggle, but certainly in terms of storytelling, mm -hmm. there is no resolution most of the mm -hmm. time, you know, it's not, it doesn't go away. It doesn't, there might not be behavior change there, yeah. you know, those types of things. And so, yeah, anyway, sorry, I don't want to answer the question for you, but I think that's no. what you're, no, that's what you're good at, Matt. You're taking <laughs> all the things and then you make it clear. <laughs> it's funny too. Actually, I've, I've, felt that a lot with light patrol in terms of like not having any idea of how to pray for things because i don't yeah. i have no idea what god wants to accomplish most of the time i don't know how to imagine what it would look like and i need to figure out a way of understanding it if it doesn't end with this person becoming a very stable middle-class christian which i feel yeah. like is the is like the model we've been given right it's like you know mm -hmm. god has moved when yeah. this person becomes like you basically yeah right? yeah 
and that's that influence is what you pray for right and then mm-hmm. and then if that doesn't happen then it's like okay well i guess god's just not doing anything or the person's fighting the holy spirit or something or whatever crazy oh yeah thing. and then you get into like i don't know this could be another thing maybe it's just and maybe this is my lack of wanting to go there anymore but like just everything when I was growing up everything dark or like hard was always framed around this could be a spiritual attack or like this could be you know what I mean like the whole terrifying verse of like there's you know an underworld or whatever you know what I mean Mm -hmm. you know the verse yep there you know things you can't see or whatever darkness that you can't dark forces at work that you can't see and whatever and we don't fight flesh and blood that whole verse and I Mm -hmm. think maybe and I'm maybe not alone in that but feeling like with mental illness stuff like you can also feel like is there just something really dark about me like right Mm -hmm. and is there and then for some people they might have even had that experience where it's like you might be under spiritual attack or there's could be spiritual warfare going on and you just right and so Mm -hmm. I think even navigating that like maybe in church better to also like be like it's not always that it can't always be that there's too many like because that also yeah that that messes with people's identity too and yeah Mm -hmm. that could also be another thing of just being like these are different types of darknesses (laughs) that like Mm -hmm. people might right like and how do we talk about those things and how do we give space that not all yeah I don't know even calling it darkness seems really wrong to say Mm -hmm. right like and the messaging around that is all like, well, it needs to be cast out and God needs to fill that space. And yeah, like we can just get into all that too. Right. Like, but mm-hmm. you, then you start to feel like, well, this, then this mental illness thing can be prayed away and this can be cast out and this can be, you know? Yeah. Well, thank you very much. I've very much enjoyed talking with you as I always do. So thank you. Um, I enjoyed talking to you too. That's our show for today. Special thanks to Mark Calvitis for the podcast cover art. This podcast deals with some pretty serious topics. If you are struggling with your mental health or are thinking about suicide, please reach out to a trusted friend or some other person you know loves and cares for you. There are also professional supports available. Please go online and visit Crisis Services Canada to find the distress centers and crisis organizations nearest you, or call the Canada Suicide Prevention Service at 1-833-456-4566. They are available to talk 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. If you are under 29, the Kids Help Phone has professional counselors available to provide confidential and anonymous care. Call them toll-free at 1-800-668-6868 or text the word CONNECT to 686868. If you have any questions, feedback, or suggestions about today's or any other episode, please email podcastdarkly21 at gmail.com. If you appreciate and enjoy this podcast, please subscribe or give it a rating on whichever podcast app you use, since apparently that makes it more likely other people will find it. Finally, because it's always good to end with a blessing, may the Lord bless you and keep you, May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. As always, thanks for listening.